0: The art of self-reliance is forging your own path, but the path is difficult, made easier by learning from those who have succeeded in directing their own lives on their own terms. With their help and inspiration, your path to self-reliance moves from dream to reality. And now, here's your host, Dr. Rodney King.
1: Hi there and welcome to this episode of The Art of Self-Reliance. In this episode, I talk to Dr. Howard Rankin. Howard has extensive expertise and knowledge in the areas of psychology, neuroscience, and neurotechnology. He's also an experienced speaker and best-selling and award-winning author. He has written 12 books in his own name, co-written another nine, and ghost-written 30 others, all non-fiction. He has also published more than 30 scientific articles and been a consultant to the NIH and the World Health Organization. His work has featured in many newspapers and magazines, and he has appeared on national networks including CNN, ABC, CBS, BBC, The View, and 2020. In this episode, I explore with Howard three main topics, namely, the manipulation by the media, cognitive bias, and critical thinking.
0: Survive, thrive.
1: So I have, I have a starting question for you. Here's my first question. When you hear the, these words, self-reliance, what does that mean to you?
0: Hmm. Okay, good question. Uh, well, first of all, what self-reliance means to me is that that is a fundamental personal skill that we all should try to have. Um, the fact is... You can't depend on anyone else except yourself. Uh, You're the only one who can do it. Uh, And so self-reliance is critical. Self-reliance in some ways is never, I know you're doing a lot with self-reliance and you're teaching it, which is great because like many fundamental human attributes, those things, these things aren't taught. You know, communication isn't taught typically. I mean, heck, I, I, <laughs> I went through a PhD and, you know, training as a clinical psychology, nobody gave me five minutes on the topic of communication, which is essential. So self-reliance is critical. And what it means is the ability, is the ability on your own, not saying you don't need other people for support and help, but on your own to deal with the challenges of life and That is about growth, because as you know, the neuroscience of the last 10, 15 years shows us that when you act differently, you change your brain and you evolve. Uh, And that means acting, physically acting, not just thinking about it. When you do those things differently, you are changing your brain, you're evolving, and that is the key to adaptation.
1: So, I mean, you were just saying about, you know, you did your PhD and you never learned anything about communication. Interesting for me is that when I did my PhD, my research was in this idea of mindfulness in action. And coming out of that research, one of the key things that I found was this idea of mindful communication. And how important that really was. And it seemed to be the missing component there, or at least one of the missing components, when we talk about leadership performance. When you, know, when you want to perform at your best as a leader, you would think that you would have a grasp and understanding of communication, but that seems to be the one place that people falter.
0: Yep, absolutely. And part of it is we're still operating at a fairly primitive sort of egotistical level, we haven't got the balance, right? Yeah, we need, you know, we could take care of ourselves. We need to be able to protect ourselves and so forth. But we also have to have a higher level of consciousness of being able to take in much more than just our initial perception or our perception. We have to see the complexity of things. And what we're seeing in the world right now is, we can't deal with complexity we can't uh we're not very good at it as human beings.
1: so that's a really good point and i think that's a good segue into the things that we we said we would talk about let's talk about starting right at the beginning here is this idea of being manipulated by the media because that definitely seems something that when we talk about self-reliance it's almost as if people's self-reliance have been taken away media has replaced their reliance and their kind of train of thought. And if you just look around you, it doesn't seem like things are going in the right direction.
0: No, it doesn't. Uh, It doesn't. Um, You know, in my recent book, I think therefore I'm wrong. I look at how the thought process works and, uh, and how susceptible we really are to the media. I mean, what? 100 years ago, 150 years ago, people's input was really their interactions with other people. That was, that was what was in their head, their interactions with other people. Then, you know, along came radio, then along came TV, and then along came, you know, telephone. And, and now we spend so much time outside, we are so vulnerable we spend our times if we're not careful, rubbernecking our way through life, looking at whatever thing is trying to get our attention. And of course, there are many, many organizations, people, groups trying to get our attention and trying to influence us uh, subtly and not so subtly through, you know, word, through sensory impression, through words, and that—that's a bombardment that you could not possibly and if you're exposed to it as much as we are, you couldn't possibly go through and try to analyze each input that's coming at you. You know, which is why people say, you know, you've just got to get off social media for a, for a while, which is, I think, I think true.
1: So what is the solution? How do, how do we deal with this? I mean, if I'm listening to this, I think, and anybody else listening to it, I'm very well aware that I'm, at least I hope everybody's aware that to some degree they've been manipulated. Now, to the point that they actually do something about it, that's a completely different discussion, I guess. But there's algorithms in play here too that are putting certain things in front of me based on what I've been searching. So I only get to see what what... the algorithm believes I need to see, and that's not necessarily a good thing, because then I'm only like when we talk about arguments, we're only seeing one side of the argument, I'm not seeing the other side of the argument, so I don't really have this this ability to to look at both sides of of, of the story, right? So how do we deal with this? What should we do? Is it is it is it that simple as just saying you know what I'm just going to abstain and I'm going to get off social media?
0: Well, that's a kind of temporary solution, but I think what there is and I'm trying to work on this devising a course, I think people need just like they need to understand mindfulness, resilience, communication, they also need to understand the thought process and how they are being manipulated, and to be much more aware of that. And there are things that you definitely can do to be more aware of that first of all is, it's that mindset, I'm vulnerable. If, you know, if I'm just not conscious of what's going on, and I'm just letting stuff come into me, I'm vulnerable, and I need to be aware of that. And then there are things that you can do to, um, you know, be more mindful when you're on social media, um, ask critical questions. Be more cynical in a way. Start off with the assumption why is this person saying that? What's their agenda? Who are they? Do I really believe it? In other words, just be more critical. And unfortunately, you know, critical thinking takes time, effort, and energy, and we don't do it most of the time. So that's where we're being taken advantage of. We don't do it much of the time. You know, one of my favorites. Uh, George Bernard Shaw said, I've made a good living for myself thinking two or three times a week. And if he meant actually critical thinking, yeah, he's right, because most people are caught up in the rush of everyday life. They're not stopping to think very deeply about much, certainly not stuff that they are seeing in the media.
1: Yeah, and I think the brain naturally wants to take that shortcut, right? Because it takes energy and time to sit there and work through all of that. And I guess most people feel overwhelmed. They feel like, you know, life is just out to get them. Everybody, especially now, and when we're talking right now, we have the situation globally where we have the COVID situation. A lot of people are like myself. I'm stuck on the Isle of Man. I can't get back to Thailand. Right. I don't know when that's going to open up. Uh, the uncertainty of what tomorrow is going to bring. And you know, I know, for example, a lot of people within my own group have lost their businesses. They've lost their ability to 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 feed their family. And all of these stresses put on top of you, it then becomes really difficult. It almost feels like it's a luxury, right? To be able to take that time off, <laughs> to actually discern what's actually coming in and say, hold on, I'm going to be critical about this. And I'm going to try to look at all the p- possible uh, potential things that play into the thing that I'm listening to. Absolutely. So I think, yeah, I think what, what one thing that I was just, you know, the top of my mind there was that one of the things that I try to do is I say, well, how is this affecting me? Because if I'm taking in information and it's affecting me on an emotional level, on a psychological level, especially if it's making me upset, then I think in that way, it's worthwhile to spend a little bit of energy going out and finding out, is actually what I'm hearing, or what I'm seeing here really the truth? Or are there some alternative viewpoints? Because oftentimes when you go out and you do look and you do take the time, you start to realize, hold on a second, this is not exactly what I'm hearing on this side. There are some nuances here. And that's a good way to just keep yourself you know, emotionally and mentally healthy. Because I think people don't realize how much of this time that they spend in media is actually affecting their health.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if, you, if you're if you watching the TV all day and you have the news on all day, that's impacting you. Actually, if you watched, you know, 12 hours of crime shows talking, you know, about murder and rape and all this, that's probably affecting you too. You might have it on in the background, but you're processing it. You're and it, it's influencing you. And we have to understand that. And we have the ability to do that, but you got to make a conscious decision. And the other thing is, you know, you and I, we have advanced degrees. We've done a lot of training. A lot of people aren't trained in critical thinking. They just aren't. Um, and the shortcuts that the mind takes to conserve energy, you know, leads to um, false thinking, you know, you know, of two things, I suddenly realized that I've heard of two things at the same time. Oh, somehow now the brain is going to assume that those two things are connected and connected causally, right? Which is a default setting of the brain, but it's wrong. <laughs> it's, it's convenience, it's shorthand, but you don't go for the shorthand, you got to look deeper than that. And so that's why you have, you know, all these various theories about because two things seem to have happened at the same time. Oh, therefore, they must be correlated. They must be causal. Or another one that's come up is because I just look at the people who benefit from like COVID. Oh, they must have had something to do with it or they're trying to influence it. You know, uh, You have to be very careful about accepting that without digging down. It might be a starting point, but then you've really got to look at it critically. And that's what we don't do. And partly of that is because the mind is organized simply to make it easy for us. And, you know, for for decisions that mean nothing, where am I going to eat tonight? You know, you don't have to go into a deep dive on all the variables. You just make a choice. But for key decisions like who's influencing me, am I going to take this job? How do I think? How do I communicate? You really need to do that.
1: Yeah, and I think even more so, right, when we're talking about how much information is coming in, to, you know to us all the time from so many different places and that inf- that kind of information was is unheard of at least for most of our time on this planet right absolutely and so i, I would think and, and correct me if i'm wrong but i just as you were talking i say, well why do we do these shortcuts well those shortcuts were really handy back in a time when there wasn't all of this information that was coming into us we were in a tribal kind of space you know we were only really interested in procreation and survival Um, not a lot to deal with outside of the the immediate threats. And so shortcuts make sense. But once you're now in this situation in the modern world where there is so much information and coming at you from all different various avenues, it's difficult. And so the brain in itself, just because from an evolutionary perspective wants to make those shortcuts, does it. But in, in doing so, we end up tripping up and making the wrong decisions.
0: Right, right. And so we've got to become more conscious of that process. And, and say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to accept this. I'll think about it later, but I'm certainly not going to accept it. If I want to, I'll, I'll, I'll explore the topic a bit more. And certainly, you know, that's possible today to explore it um, legitimately online. There's so many good resources um, that if you really wanted to, to explore a topic, you really have, it's relatively easy to do that now
1: with technology be open right you need to be open to an an alternative viewpoint to the one that you would like to hold and i think that's probably where a lot of people are struggling is that they get like you said you know if you spend all day long watching crime and investigation network that's kind of where you start you get stuck right and then the world looks like a very dangerous place and everybody's out to get you and everybody on every street corner is a criminal Um, and so you have to kind of pull yourself out of that and go, hold on a second, you know, that's not necessarily true. I need to look at both sides of this, but we get so quickly stuck into one kind of state of mind that it's very difficult for us to get ourselves out of it.
0: Yeah. And, and I think we do ourselves a disservice in some ways, human beings aren't logical. And when we have the capacity to be logical, but we're not, we're storytellers basically. And we create narratives that suit us, um, beliefs opinions and what have you and then we get all these biases that come in that we all use um, to justify our position and and in the modern world it's really easy to find people who agree with you to be fed only the stuff that you agree with confirmation bias and so forth and so we get off the rational track altogether and you've got to be prepared you got to be prepared to open yourself up i mean i think that's real strength to say I know I believe this and I believe this, but let me sit down and really think about whether that's what I still believe. Where did it come from? I mean, you know, perhaps that belief came because I hang out with this group, you know, when I was 15 and I've never challenged
1: it. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's definitely leads into the next part, right? This idea of challenging the way that you think. So maybe you can speak a little bit about this idea of cognitive bias. What does that actually mean? What does it imply? Um, you know, because somebody, you know, listening to this may have never really heard that term before.
0: Right. And, and you know, as we go through over the, the ages and decades and centuries, uh, things change their name based on, you know, current uh, conditions, as it were, and mentality. So, you know, this has been called lots of things, cognitive dissonance in the 1950s, which is you actually look for things to resolve any discomfort. So, you look for things that justify your position. And so, now this has um, sort of developed into this big field of cognitive bias, and there are many biases. And what they are are they're devices that we use along with the mental shortcuts to justify our positions. So, one of the big ones is confirmation bias. So, I'll only look at the things that support my view, and I'll diss or not even bother to look at arguments from another position confirmation bias Um, anchoring bias is an interesting one Um, and and probably the easiest uh, example of that would be like a uh, an infomercial where it says normally 1999 whatever but you can get it now for 1995 okay because they've put that first number up there that has put even if you know that that's bs and the things probably worth 10 bucks it's still in your head and you've really got to make a conscious effort to say forget that and that's hard that also works in discourse when people start talking about a thing that sets the narrative Um, and so you know this is how these biases are used all the time there's there's at least 100 I mention in my book, at least 100, I go into maybe 15 of the big ones. Um, but we use them all the time to justify our minds, quick thinking, go with the narratives that we have, don't bother to change, don't bother to think deeply. And I can use these biases to justify anything I want. One One is Uh, A good one that's really current right now is the normalcy bias, which is, oh, everything will go back to normal. You know, nothing's really going to be earth-shaking. This has never happened before. It's all going to go back to normal. And I think we're in that situation right now where at least uh, maybe we're changing that. Certainly a month ago, I think we were in that situation where it was, you know, just, you know, by June, it'll be fine and we'll all be back to normal. No. No, I don't think so.
1: <laughs> that's a that's a really good point because I've seen that as well. And I, I, I guess I'm a victim to that in the beginning. I, when, when this whole thing started happening and the COVID thing started amplifying itself and we started seeing the lockdown and my first sense was it's just a matter of time with things before things go back to normal. I mean, how long can we run in a world that's based on a materialistic economy like this before everything implodes on itself? There's no way they can keep all these borders closed as they have. And but they have, right? And so luckily, I, I at least challenged the way that I was thinking and I started pivoting and started thinking what can I actually do now considering that I see the writing on the wall and this thing is going on way longer than I thought and actually things are never going to be the same. They're not going to be how they were before and I'm not, am I gonna put myself in a position that I'm gonna be prepared to be able to, to, to flourish, to thrive in the new norm, right? But I've noticed a lot of people haven't done that a lot of people have exactly that, right? They kind of just sat back and, you know, it's just a matter of time, but, you know, before everything is back to the way it was and there's been consequences to that, you know, be it that they've lost their jobs or whatever that may be, they haven't prepared themselves enough to be able to deal with the, 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 the change and the new normal that's about to unleash itself on the planet. Yep,
0: that's exactly right. And it speaks to what you do and to some extent what I do in terms of getting people to accept a situation. People are not very good at change. um, And acceptance is the first step, I think, of that self-reliance. One of the examples I used in my book, which I came out before COVID of the normalcy bias was the um, brick and mortar retail stores who really underestimated the impact of internet shopping. I mean, totally. And as a result, some, you know, a lot of those businesses are gone. They did not anticipate it. Oh, it's not, it's not, you know, people aren't going to buy e-books. They're they're always going to want a real book. How do you know that? You're just, is that based on research or is that just based on the fact that that's what you want to believe? Of course you want to believe it. But is that true? And the fact is at that point in time, there really wasn't a whole lot of data to tell you, you know, three of the hardest words in any language in the English language would be, I don't know, right? I don't know. And sometimes that's much better than trying to use these biases to convince yourself, make yourself feel okay, right? You feel okay. But the fact is, you don't know, nobody knows. And how are you going to deal with that? And that's when your planning and preparation sounds like what you have done begins. What are you going to do about that? Rather than what we see happening, people getting angry, getting anxious, upset, you know, uh, and, and letting those emotions drive their behavior and off track. I mean, it, that's not the way you deal with it.
1: Yeah, I agree. So, you know, just talking about acceptance there, I guess what, what, what we need to kind of look at there when we say to people, look, you need to accept where you're at. What you're really saying is you need to accept all that is happening with inside you, all the emotions that are rising up, because one of the reasons why people won't accept where they're at is because they're afraid. And most of what we see people doing when they react the way that they do through anger and frustration and so on is definitely, if you draw it all the way back is starting at the starting point, there is fear. Yes, I think sure. most people don't want to acknowledge how they feel, you know, to to acknowledge that you're afraid for a lot of people means that somehow th- that you've 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 given up.
0: Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. And courage actually is recognizing your emotion, including fear, uh, not letting it take over, but recognizing it's it's there. And um, and I think this is again where self reliance comes in so much. Um, this is about your relationship with yourself. And there's a quote in my, I think, therefore I'm wrong book, which is, you know, if you go into battle with other warriors, you become battle hardened. But if you go into battle with your, aligned with yourself, you know, it's not a battle anymore. It's not a battle anymore. Um, you, you, you get rid of that fear. Uh, it doesn't mean there isn't pressure, right, to do things, but you're not operating out of fear. And I think that that is really, really critical. Accept where you're at.
1: Yeah, and I think you have to do that yourself, right? Because we are also in a situation that I notice that people, you know, everybody messes up. Everybody makes mistakes. I mean, there is no such thing. There's, I don't know a single person on the planet. Maybe maybe bearing, you know, barring maybe the Dalai Lama. I don't know. But other than that, I don't know anybody who hasn't messed up at some point in their life but we do seem to be in the situation where people just don't let other people's mess ups go. Right. It's like, you know, it's almost like, Oh, you messed up. Then that's, that's you, you, you taught and feathered for the rest of your life. That's who you're going to be. And this almost this inability to see people as they are their humanity and realize that we are all on a path towards a goal that we've set for ourselves. And it's going to be filled with pitfalls and landmines and obstacles and rather than looking at, at people and saying, oh, he messed up, so that's then just tar and feather him, like I said, <laughs> you know, hold on, we're all human beings here. And everybody has that opportunity and that ability to turn things around. And, you know, it's a learning opportunity, right? You look at that and you go, okay, you know what? I mean, obviously, in hindsight, you know, if I, like, just like myself, if I could go back, there are things I wish I never did but I could, I could either have that as something I carry for the rest of my life and it eventually becomes the thing that drowns me, or I look at it and I go, okay, what do I gain from this? What do I learn from this? How can I take the lesson from this and turn my life around?
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely. And, and some of the things that I learned to do, um, I have an autistic son. And so when he was younger um, and he was in the store and perhaps he was acting out a little bit, um, you know, some people would show some sympathy and compassion and some people would point fingers and laugh and joke. And I thought of him as uh, God's secret or mystery shopper. You know, he's come to take your inventory. How do you react to him as a test of you, right? Mm. You laugh at him and mock him. That says a whole lot more about you than it does him. If you show compassion and concern, that also says a whole lot about you. And and you're right, we do have I mean, I've seen so many people, especially in today with the social media is out. I've seen so many working with a gal, a really nice gal. She was a lawyer. She was in um the adoption business. And um uh, she was get she got a couple of referrals from California and she did not realize that this was sort of trafficking. I mean, people being paid to get pregnant and what have you. She didn't realize it. So she was prosecuted for that. She lost her license. She was actually jailed, I think for six months. And so she wrote a book about it and then she promptly withdrew it because she was getting so much hate mail. Um, and that's sad, you know, that is sad (laughs) for me. Uh, Thinking and reason and wisdom is based on virtue. Wisdom is based on virtue. Gratitude, forgiveness, humility, respect. That's, that's, where, that's where wisdom comes from. Non-judgmental. Because as soon as you deviate from those, you start looking at the world through a different and, and pretty ugly sometimes lens. And that prevents you from being wise. It also prevents you from saying, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, I wasn't there, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that.
1: So, so my question for you, Howard, is, you know, considering that you know, people seem to respond this way, right? That they, especially in that woman's case, I'm assuming she didn't know that that's what was going on, and then start you know you start getting hate mail you st- you people start you know trash talking you online and 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 all on and it goes on and on and on. They put forward this position that they're somehow better than everybody else, but the reality is, if you looked at their lives, they've probably made equal or worse mistakes. So what is that about the human being that does that? Where we we look at somebody, we see that they've made an error, a misstep. We won't let it go. We we trash talk them. We we try to destroy their reputation. But at the end of the day, we are not any more perfect ourselves. So what is that? If we, is that a cognitive bias? Is there something that explains that? What is that?
0: Yes. Well, I can explain that. And again, in, I think therefore I'm wrong. What I do is I talk about the concept of defense mechanisms that um, goes back, well, probably goes back centuries, but You know, Freudian times brought those up, and there are really four types of uh, categories of defense mechanisms um, psychotic, neurotic, immature, uh, and then mature. And those, all those negative ones are things like projection. And I I use some simple examples of uh, somebody in a store with their husband, an example, and they get into an argument, and some of the, the defense mechanism use, And one of them is projection. I am projecting onto you what I don't want to own. You know, if I don't want to own my own weakness, I'm going to say, oh, you're so weak, you know, uh, we project. And there's, there's, as I say, there's four classes in the matu- What's really interesting is the mature defense mechanisms are exactly the things that we've been talking about in terms of values and virtues. Acceptance, forgiveness, humility. And so, you know, I, I talk about those and then I translate them, as it were, into the biases, the cognitive biases. So, those defense mechanisms and biases sort of go together. They are ways of letting ourselves off the hook or saving time and energy or preserving consistency in our beliefs and narratives. Um, and I know you do a lot with mindfulness, you know, which I think is which is very, very important because we have the capacity, I think, definitely, to improve and enhance our consciousness rather than this rather simplistic, very often binary conscious that most people operate with, uh, and you know, I think meditation and mindfulness exercises are really critical because you've got to get outside yourself. (laughs) You've got to take yourself outside yourself to look at yourself and you can't do that without doing something like mindfulness or meditation or some very specific exercise to do that and expand your consciousness.
1: A couple of things that just, as you were saying that, you know, when I think about the practice of mindfulness, what it teaches me is that how flawed I really am and I think it's that acceptance of recognizing that I am definitely no better than anyone else and that I am equally flawed is a good starting point because you know otherwise what happens is as we've been talking about you put in all these cognitive biases to always present yourself to always protect yourself your ego is always looking for a way to come out on top Right, And then in the process of doing that, you either say things you don't really believe or mean, um, or you're unable to hear what the other person is saying to you so that when, when it comes to communication, you're really only the person talking and you're not listening. And so a lot of the nuances, a lot of the things that could just dissolve these, these in, what seems impossible situations are possible only if we are able to start from that point of acceptance. And part of that acceptance is recognizing that none of us are better than anyone else.
0: That's right. That's exactly right. It's well put. And, and that's hard for people and they're not trained how to do that. In fact, on the contrary, we're training people from the very beginning to do just what you've talked about, you know, don't, you know, be selfish, be egotistical, um, you know, don't think about it. Don't even consider other options. And that is, that's the human race going the wrong way down the evolutionary trail. We have to expand consciousness. We have to get beyond binary thinking. We have to get beyond this sort of defensive mindset. We have to, you know, amazing things happen when you expand your consciousness and let yourself go outside of the normal boundaries that you've been taught. I mean, you experience things differently, you experience yourself differently. That's where we need to go if we're going to survive as a race, I think.
1: Coming back to the manipulation by media, right? And as you were talking about that, that's where it starts, this binary thinking. Good and bad, win and lose. It's always this kind of black and white thinking without the nuance of the gray, right? And we've got this kind of message all the time on a couple of fronts. One, hustle, hustle, hustle. Because you know, ultimately, it's about succeeding and how you succeed. It doesn't matter who you have to trample over in order to do that. You need to get to the top. That kind of mindset, which definitely puts put out there. And then at the same time, we have a mindset of you know, always be positive, never be negative. Um, you know, if somebody's criticizing you, then they're jealous. That's the reason they're criticizing you, right? So we've got this kind of thing going on. And if you just maybe talk in a different way and you present a more nuanced approach on how these situations actually are, it's really difficult to get through to people because people have been so conditioned through media to have this binary thinking. It's either good or bad. It's either win or lose.
0: Yeah, and, and, and we're in a situation, many situations now where that is so detrimental. An example I use um, in the complex world of binary thinking. So if we're watching a you know, soccer match or a tennis match or a football game, you've know, you got one team on one side of the field and one team on the other, nice binary, simple understanding. But often reality would be like watching maybe 12 teams on the field, you know, trying to and, – and there's probably another 20 we can't see. You know, you try to wrap your head around that and you say – How do I do that? But that's where we need to be. That's where we need to evolve to. So we do have that capacity to look at the complexity and not break it down into the simple binary thing, which simplifies things so much that you very often don't have a proper solution
1: to it. So where would you say critical thinking plays into this? So that's kind of moving to our third point, right? So we've talked about manipulation by media. We've looked at cognitive bias. Let's move to critical thinking. How would that play into this?
0: Critical thinking is essential. Uh, you know, for most people, it's just looking at the tip of the iceberg. You know, just they look at one thing. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I saw these masks. They're useless. Okay, masks are useless. Why are we, you know, How about a deep dive into <laughs> types of masks, the research, the evidence, <laughs> all of that? People don't do that, but they're not trained to do that. They're not trained to do that. And to be honest, I do think the education system, certainly in the countries that I'm familiar with, is Victorian and completely outdated. It's completely outdated. I, and maybe you, grew up, really, if you had good verbal memory and you could memorize things, you'd certainly be good at, you know, certain things. And if you could, you know, good with numbers, you were good with that. But those things don't, I mean, if you did science in school, you might learn about critical thinking. But forget that. Why not just teach critical thinking, period? Why do we have to do it through a sort of almost tangential
1: thing? If somebody's listening to this, right, I I think this is the thing, I guess, where people struggle with. They hear this idea of critical thinking. but. What, is, what do we mean by critical thinking? If I, if I wanted to say, for example, start developing my critical thinking skills, or I wanted to help my kids develop their critical thinking skills, where do I start?
0: Yeah, um, well, there are some good books on thinking, um, and there are some also courses on critical thinking, which I mentioned in my book. Um, but I think the first thing is to recognize a couple of things. One is the sort of binary simplistic thinking that serves us well most of the time, but unfortunately not all of the time and not with big issues. So that's, that's the first thing. I think the second would be to explore mindfulness because that opens up your mind a little bit towards being more open generally. And then um, really do the research. Uh, as I say, there are some good books on this to understand how you unpeel the, the layers of each onion you know so um just using the example used before masks do masks really work okay well you know you could hear somebody online say oh no i know it doesn't and you could accept that but that's not critical thinking critical thinking mm-hmm. would be doing some research what types of masks are they how do they work right what do the experts say? I mean, everyone's now an expert in everything, right? So, but what do the experts say? And so forth. In other words, keep going, digging, digging, digging below the, below the surface to get more understanding of it, because one fact that you uncover could completely change your view.
1: I mean, that was the, the reason for having debates, right, is that you would have a debate, you'd have two sides, you know, presenting their positions. And if you were really skilled in bringing your point across, there is a very strong chance that people in the audience that thought completely different to you might walk away from that now acknowledging a different point and a different perspective.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. And that's that's been lost uh, the media has a lot to say for that, you know, the sensationalism, the emotionalism, just anything that catches attention and, and you know, clicks and links and, and all of this. Um, and so that's actually worsened the situation because the media is, is not encouraging critical thinking at all. In fact, if anything, it's doing the reverse. And the same with social media. So you have to recognize that you're being manipulated, whether you like it or not, whether you want to believe it or not. Um, it, might, it might be to some extent um, beneficial manipulation, or it could be very nasty. It could be other governments and groups just trying to disrupt society, which is not difficult to do once this mechanism is in place.
1: So parting message. Howard, what would you say to people listening to this when we think about this idea? Because ultimately, this podcast, the way that I'm defining it, because I want people to leave with something that they've learned and hopefully change their mind on something, is all about the art of self-reliance. What would you want to end here?
0: Well, remember, your consciousness is probably your biggest asset and your most prized asset. So you don't want to give it away. And you want to learn to use it in the most effective way way and some amazing things happen to you when you open that up and let that door open that door up Um, and so one thing would be to pursue some mindfulness meditation type exercises and explore that explore your consciousness don't believe everything that's in there because that's come from all sorts of forces that you probably don't even know where it's come from so take control your consciousness is your greatest blessing Don't let it be passive. Use it. And I think if people can do that, if we all can start doing that, we'd be a much better human race. To learn more about the art of self-reliance, our virtual coaching service, online courses, and our retreats in Thailand, head over to Primal Skills. That's with a Z dot com.